Coming up this evening, live from New York City, an FCC commissioner calling on Apple and Google to ban the TikTok app over concerns China is accessing Americans' data. We talked with the commissioner himself. Electric car maker Tesla cutting costs, closing an office in Silicon Valley and reportedly laying off workers. It's after a warning from CEO Elon Musk. Why is it a surprise? U.S. emergency oil reserves fall to their lowest level in over three decades as President Biden releases more crude into the market. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Chenny Wu here for NTD Business. In an open letter, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr asked both Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores, saying that Beijing is harvesting swaths of sensitive data from it. We asked the commissioner himself about his concerns. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr sent an open letter to Apple and Google asking them to remove TikTok from the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. He referred to TikTok as a sophisticated surveillance tool that harvests extensive amounts of personal and sensitive data. We're talking everything from search and browsing history to keystroke patterns uh, to biometric data, including what we call face prints, which could be later fed into facial recognition technologies, voice prints. Uh, draft documents that are set on your uh, clipboard. Carr tells NTD a new report showed leaked audio of TikTok and ByteDance officials saying China has access to all this data, despite what the company says. There's really no limit on how uh, Beijing could could use it uh, to pursue uh, nefarious goals, everything from, you know, business, industrial espionage, foreign influence campaigns. The FCC is currently led by four commissioners, of which Brendan Carr is one. The chairwoman is currently Jessica Rosenworcel. TikTok was the most downloaded app in 2021, beating out both Instagram and Facebook, and at the moment is the 31st most visited website in the U.S. In 2020, um, it used TikTok to encourage Americans to engage in violent protests. It's been glorifying drug use. Gordon Chong is the author of The Coming Collapse of China. Chong sees three reasons why China wants the user data. First of all, more data, more users means that ByteDance, the parent, is more valuable. Second, um, I think that China can obtain uh, information that would be used to compromise TikTok users. I know that, yeah, it is silly of dance videos, but they can learn things about people. And with other data that Beijing assembles, it can get a much better picture about an individual. And then the third thing is that in general, um, Beijing uses the data to feed into its artificial intelligence networks. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr isn't certain if Apple and Google will even respond to his letter, but says it's only one part of a broader government effort. Members of Congress, both in the House, the Senate, Republicans, Democrats are coming together um, slowly seeing the national security threat that, that is posed by TikTok. TikTok hit 1 billion users worldwide in 2021, and it's expected to hit 1.8 billion by the end of 2022. The U.S. is blacklisting Chinese companies for their support of Russia during the invasion of Ukraine. NTD's Phil Zhou has the story. The White House is blacklisting five Chinese companies for supporting Russia during its invasion of Ukraine. 
The U.S. government says the firms have been supplying items to Russian entities of concern even before the war and continue to do so. China has been supporting Russia during uh, the war through commodities purchases and uh, dip uh, diplomatically. Bradley Thayer, founding member of the Committee on the Present Danger, China, says the Russian leader met with the Chinese leader before the invasion to make sure he got the green light. Uh, Putin met with Xi Jinping. Uh, the leader of um, uh, of China. Uh, and in that meeting, they certainly discussed uh, Russia's activities. And equally certainly in that meeting, uh, Xi expressed support uh, for Putin. Uh, and thus, that contributed to uh, Russia's decision uh, to invade. Another China expert says this ban could be all show, no substance. We have a lot of doubt about whether the pivot to Asia 2.0 is real or just imaginary in the Biden White House. Steve Yates is a former national security advisor at the White House. He's currently chair of the China Policy Initiative at the America First Policy Institute. The United States have been willing to go very, very far to impose penalties for activities that are counter to our interests with regard to Europe and Russia. They still seem very far behind in trying to do that with regard to China and Asia. Thayer agrees. If the Biden administration can sanction these firms, why can't they sanction other firms, uh, Chinese firms, that, for example, are participating in the cotton gulag, the uh, oppression of uh, uh, Muslims in, in Xinjiang, uh, where cotton is produced and where clothing manufacturing occurs. The U.S. has blacklisted globally a total of 36 companies for supporting Russia in the war. It's the first time the Biden administration has penalized Chinese firms for their Russian support. Phil Zhou, NTD News. Also today, President Biden announced the U.S. will ramp up its forces across Europe, including a new permanent army headquarters in Poland. This is, of course, in response to threats from Russia. New data shows President Biden's efforts to lower energy prices have reduced the nation's emergency oil reserves. The reserves now stand at their lowest level in over 35 years. In total, the emergency supply of crude oil stood at just under 500 million barrels. The U.S. consumes close to 20 million barrels per day. That means we have just about a 25-day supply of oil. In response to growing concern about the depleted reserve, the Department of Energy has revealed plans to replenish emergency stocks, including a process to repurchase 60 million barrels of oil this fall. The Biden administration's first-ever onshore oil and gas auctions will be held this week. This as gas prices are through the roof. The last we checked, the average was 4.87 a gallon. It's also after Biden promised early on to end federal drilling. The auctions take place on Wednesday and Thursday. They'll cover 140,000 acres, which is about the size of Chicago. 90% of the land will be in Wyoming, and the rest is scattered throughout seven other states. Originally, the Biden administration considered 340,000 acres, but about the size of Houston. But it removed all the parts it deemed too environmentally sensitive. Under Trump, oil companies got 26 million acres of land to drill on, even bigger than the island of, the island of Ireland. There are fresh signs of cost-cutting at Tesla. The car maker has reportedly shut an office in California and laid off about 200 employees. That's according to Reuters. 
Earlier this month, CEO Elon Musk said he had a, quote, super bad feeling about the U.S. economy. He said Tesla needed to cut staff numbers by about 10 percent. Later, he said that would mainly apply to salaried workers. But Reuters reports that most of those laid off were hourly workers. He says that workers had previously been told they would just be moved to a new location. Instead, they were let go of after the office in San Mateo, California, was shut altogether. Many staffers there worked on helping to develop the autopilot software that allows Tesla cars to drive themselves. Tesla didn't comment on the news. Mortgage rates fell last week. The 30-year fixed rate went from 5.98% to 5.84%. Though this didn't change home buyer demand, it stayed the same compared to last week and is still down 24% from last year. How is limited home buyer demand affecting certain businesses? NTD's Don Ma speaks to the CEO of a flooring company. And here with us is Antonio Sestile. He's a real-life example of the American dream. He came to America with just $400 to his name, and now he's the flooring king and a millionaire. Thanks for coming back on the show, Antonio. Thank you for having me back. So last time we spoke with you, it looked like everything was going great. So how's business these days? Business is actually good. I mean, we can't really complain. Things are slowing down a little bit nationwide, but we're still doing very well since we have the right resources to continue grinding through hard times. At the beginning of a couple weeks ago, it was a little bit of uncertainty. Interest rate went up a little bit. People were a little concerned, but we've been seeing that everything is getting back to normal. People are no longer buying a lot of new homes, but they're renovating their existing homes. So for us, it's the same thing. If they buy a new home or they're renovating, they're still buying flooring from us. So... I'm happy. Is it as normal compared to, let's say, before the pandemic? 100 uh, percent. Numbers are the same. Business is the same. A matter of fact, the supply chain is getting a little bit better. It was a little bit harder up to six months ago. So now we have more resources worldwide. China is open again. Believe it or not, we're getting a lot of containers from China. We're getting a lot of containers from Europe. You have to order materials a little bit in advance because it's a new time. So we kind of adjusted to new time. But overall, we're seeing that things will get back to normal very soon. I'm, I'm optimistic. Now, the supply chain issues from China, was that due to the lockdowns? Yes, the supply chain was uh, because of a few things. The lockdown and then the tariff, and then it was very difficult to get containers worldwide. China is sending containers to the U.S. They sometimes travel around the world. So normally, we will wait 45 days. We had to wait four months and sometimes five months. But now we're seeing that the turnaround is 45 to 50 days back again. I think things are getting better as well in China. I see, I see. Let's hope there's no more lockdowns over there. Yeah, we'll hope so, yes. Right, right. So are you seeing a worker shortage? It's in the news a lot these days. Are you experiencing difficulty in this area? Yes, we're still seeing a challenge hiring people. Not a lot of people wants to work. I don't know why. We have a lot of work. It's not easy to get good people to work these days. It's not easy because we want to grow, and it's not easy to really get manpower. What we are outsourcing right now, we have our HR department reaching out worldwide, literally, between uh, between installers and between management, and we're kind of managing. It's tough time, but you have to swim through these tough times to get to get ahead. Are you being forced to raise wages to attract people? Yes, absolutely. So uh, to get to get fresh fresh workers right now, you have to raise. You have to pay a little bit more. You have to be more. You have to find more qualified people. But we definitely have to pay a little bit more, and that's what we're doing to attract more people. 
Now, I understand you also do a lot of charity work, right? Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, definitely. So charity work is part of my um, my personal, uh, I'm not going to call it hobby, my personal love to the game. So the more the business is getting better, the more we do more charity. So we donating a lot of flowing to the habitat. We're doing a lot of habitat for humanity worldwide now. We're doing a lot of people in need, charity for synagogues, charity for churches, or just the everyday people that come into us with a hard time to get flooring. So I always, always make sure that everybody leaves our facility, leaves with what they need, and never send anybody home because of money. Because I know it's tough time, and it's time to help everybody. Well, I'm glad things are going well for you. Anyways, Antonio Sestil, CEO of Flooring King, thanks for coming on again. Thank you so much for having me on your show. On to Wall Street. Market ended pretty flat today. The Dow added 82 points, or three-tenths of a percent. The S&P was down three points, or less than one percent. And the Nasdaq lost four points. Crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital, or 3AC, has reportedly entered into liquidation. That means it's closing down the business and selling what it has to pay its debts. It's the latest casualty of the recent crypto crash. 3AC is one of the most high-profile crypto hedge funds, investing in Bitcoin and the like. Because of the recent market downturn, it couldn't make payment on a loan and had to default. That loan was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. The overall crypto market has lost about two-thirds of its value. Bitcoin today trading at around $20,000, compared with its all-time high of $69,000 last November. The crypto crash has wiped out millions of dollars stolen by North Korean hackers. That's according to four digital investigators. Investigators, they say this threatens a key source of funding for Pyongyang and its weapons program. The U.S. Treasury says sanction-stricken North Korea has poured resources into stealing crypto in recent years. It was allegedly behind one of the largest crypto heists on record in March, stealing around $615 million. But with the recent plunge in crypto values, Pyongyang may now have to rethink how to fund its weapons programs. According to a South Korean research institute, a record number of missile tests have cost it as much as $620 million, so far just this year. And North Korea plans to resume nuclear testing despite an economic crisis. Charges for putting apps in app stores are common. But virtual reality app developers have not been happy with Meta for adopting the same practice. NTD's Sean Marshall has more. Virtual reality app developers don't like paying Meta 30% of every purchase made on the Oculus Quest. Several developers told the Financial Times of their frustration that Meta has insisted on a charging model for its VR app store. Much because Meta chief Mark Zuckerberg has been strongly critical in the past of charging policies on existing mobile app stores. So there, a lot of people are not going to need to kiss the ring of Facebook to actually participate and, and do stuff in the metaverse. I spoke with Bob Bilbrook, the CEO of Capture, a company that develops business models for developing technologies. He thinks Meta is making a huge mistake. The value is in the creation within the metaverse, you know what I mean? So these developers are actually bringing in the pieces that are going to make their metaverse or their piece of the metaverse even more valuable. Bill Rook explained how he would do things as opposed to charging developers. I would be uh, giving away developer tools. I would be doing things that are going to 
um, constitute growth and quick growth because the uh, the growth curve of the metaverse is huge. And I think a lot of these groups are already looking at the money side. I think you have to build the community before the money will be there. And you have to have the user base. And that's probably the biggest challenge they have right now. Meta Reality Labs brought in $695 million in quarter one of 2022, with most of that coming from Quest 2 sales. This is up from $534 million in quarter one revenue in 2021. But until Microsoft, Sony, Apple, and other companies come out with competition, Meta is free to do as they please. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Still to come, Delta offering a special travel waiver for the July 4th holiday. What does it mean for you if you're flying this weekend? A rare copy of a famous statue going up for auction at Christie's. How much is it expected to fetch? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Ahead of a busy July 4th travel weekend, Delta is issuing a travel waiver. It'll let customers rebook their flights without paying change fees or fare differences. Travelers covered by the policy have tickets to fly between July 1st and July 4th. Travel must be rebooked and begin by July 8th and begin and end at the same airport that was originally booked. The waiver allows customers to pay the same price for rebooked tickets, even if the new fare is more expensive. It also includes basic economy fares, which are normally excluded from such offers. Airlines have had a challenging summer. After downsizing during the pandemic, flight delays, cancellations and staffing issues have wrecked havoc on the industry. A record number of Americans are expected to hit the roads this holiday weekend. That's according to the annual 4th of July travel forecast from AAA. It predicts 42 million Americans will take a road trip 50 miles or longer for the 4th of July holiday weekend. This comes as gas prices hit record highs earlier in June. Traffic experts predict travel times could double for some drivers on Thursday and Friday evening. Travel experts recommend anyone traveling on Thursday or Friday should start driving early or late in the day. The report also found the number of Americans flying is lower than usual this year. AAA predicts the number of airline passengers will be the lowest since 2011. Hundreds of flights have been canceled in recent days, mostly due to staffing issues and weather. Does your long work commute leave you stressed? Well, imagine a flying boat ferry like this getting you to work in half the time. A Swedish startup says its battery-powered boats can do just that, cut commute times and cut emissions. The founder says he took inspiration from electric car maker Tesla. Since launching late August, Candela has sold more than 100 of its fully electric, zero-carbon hydrofoil boats. Hydrofoil are like wing-like structures attached to the underside of a boat's hull to essentially lift the boat out of the water without creating wake. 
It makes boats faster and increases battery efficiency. Candela is now developing water taxis and small ferries, which can carry up to 30 passengers. They're expected to hit the water in Stockholm next year. Early sailors feared Brazil's Cabo Frio as a site for shipwrecks. Nowadays, its beautiful beaches and fishing villages have made it a destination for high-end tourism. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. Brazil's Portuguese colonizers founded the city of Cabo Frio in 1615. It's located at the entrance of a salt lagoon and was the site of competition among European powers for natural resources. The oldest part of town is the most charming part of the city for many. We are at the neighborhood that was the first population nucleus of Cabo Frio in the Lagos region. Passagem still preserves the buildings of the 18th and 19th centuries. It's very well preserved and an important tourist attraction. Back in the harbor, fishing boats filled the Cape. Fifteen miles northeast of Cabo Frio is the world-renowned fishing village of Buzios. Despite tourism being the main activity, fishing is still going strong here. This region here has the highest fish population of the Brazilian coast. We have an important fish production chain that offers protein in Brazil and abroad. Today, Buzios has a great number of accommodations in the upper price range. The Pusada Abracadabra Hotel overlooks the bay, and the swimming pool also has a great view for guests. Besides the beaches, which are beautiful, all of them, there is very interesting gastronomy here. And despite the recent growth of Buzios, it hasn't lost its characteristic identity. Inns located on the hillsides often provide great views of local bays and beaches. American expat Carl Schienemann owns the Bahia de Jao Inn. During his years here, he's developed a website highlighting interesting points from an environmental and natural outlook. Santa Lagoinhas for me is uh, one of the most spiritual places you can find in Buzios. It's uh, the location of what was the, uh, the equivalent of the Himalayans here in Brazil 500 million years ago. Buzios and Cabo Frio have many different beaches. Some are good for diving, while others are better for surfing. Getting here is about a three hours drive from Rio de Janeiro. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. French sculptor Auguste Rodin's statue, The Thinker, will be up for auction in Paris tomorrow. It's expected to fetch between 9 to $15 million in a Christie's auction. NTD's Andrew Thomas has this one, too. Around 40 copies of The Thinker are in existence, mostly cast after Rodin's death in 1917. Today, there are only around 10 casts that remain with private owners. The sculpture on sale is signed A. Rodin, with the foundry mark of Alexis Rudier, a Parisian workshop where most of Rodin's bronzes were cast. Much smaller than the life-size The Thinker, displayed at the Rodin Museum Gardens in Paris, the cast on auction was conceived as part of the artist's The Gates of Hell masterpiece. This Rodin masterpiece is very important because we can truly see his very modern way of seeing the human body, very muscular but also in movement fully questioning in doubt, and it's really doubt that inhabits a creator, and until today, it inhabits all artists. Rodin's The Thinker originally represented the poet Dante, contemplating his writings, but it's a universal symbol of thought and creative genius. In the beginning, Rodin was imagining something that was more realistic with regard to the vision he had of Dante. But in the end, he changed through the years, 
looking at the poet in a more vast manner. The record sale for a cast of The Thinker was for $15.2 million at a Sotheby's auction in New York in 2013. That version was commissioned by publishing mogul Ralph Pulitzer in 1906. Andrew Thomas, MTD News. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, send us an email at business at ntd.com. That's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Chenny Wu. You can still catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can follow me on Twitter, too. For NTD Business, that's all for today. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.